Welcome to Better Roads, a podcast with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Everyone has a story to their journey, and God loves to participate in those stories. Join Randall as he explores another Better Roads adventure. Thanks for joining us today on Better Roads. This is the podcast where we explore the journeys of our guests and we learn about some of the Better Roads they've chosen in life. And, you know, I have really been looking forward to this episode of Better Roads because Bob Laughlin is an open Bible minister and a longtime friend. Uh, Bob, we were once together in Argentina. We reminisced about this more than one occasion and have great memories from then. Uh, uh, You know, we talked about sitting on the veranda in the evenings and after the day of work of all the men. You know, what's uh, so funny, Randall, I remember because we had another minister that had come with the group that we were uh, there. They were going to build the church in uh, in Plotier, I think it was. Uh And I was supposed to be speaking services at at this church and other uh, places. But you had come in from Chile. Yes. Santiago, I think. Yes. And uh, you came to this two-room tiny house (laughs) with a dusty road and we we all met there and uh, you were taking a lot of pictures you a video video. yeah yeah you were the filmer yeah i I was yeah it works yeah yeah i remember my my mattress i was the last one to arrive so my mattress was right under the window on the floor where when the trucks could go by at night the, the clouds of dust and sand would come in there was no windows except a pull down shade yeah 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 it. oh man great memories and then i i remember also you know the time you were there as, as the as the camp of as the evangelist you know as as a minister i was there doing videoing so i i was kind of like your sidekick on those things and <laughs> i i remember that we went to this other church and you were supposed to speak there and the interpreter wasn't any better with english than i was in spanish do you remember he that was probably preaching this i don't know what she was preaching because i can't understand <laughs> her speak. she was probably preaching another sermon while i was there i don't know i don't know i remember you said to me randall what do you think i should do the year and i said I, I think i said bob i think you should just pray for people i know it was funny it really was it was good though yeah. Well, one of the reasons, Bob, I've been looking forward to our conversation is because a major part of what we're going to discuss will be about gifts of the Spirit, and and specifically, how the Holy Spirit works through you. Yeah, the, the Holy Spirit works through you, and I'm just going to say in a distinctive manner. Uh, and even as I say that, it's hard for me to describe it, because God gives you specific messages, or sometimes we say words, or encouragements for individuals, not not just a generic blessing for all. It's very much individually directed and revealed. And I know some people who move in that realm of the gifts of the Spirit will say that, you know, God will show them a picture. Others say that God, you know, shows them words. I've witnessed how the Holy Spirit speaks through you, but tell you the truth, Bob, I honestly don't know what to call that. I mean, do you <laughs> do you describe what the Lord does through you as, as a prophecy, as a word of knowledge, 
in other words, how do you know you have a word for someone? And and uh, how does that work? How do you describe what the Holy Spirit does in and through you? Well, I appreciate that. Uh, it's I've discussed this at different times and different uh, different settings because people have asked that question. Um, I've been doing this a long time, and it didn't come automatically. Just like I woke up one day and I started speaking mm. messages to people, mm -hmm. and we can go into that in another question, but. Um, yeah. It's one of those things that trying to describe often when I come into a service and I'll share a teaching um, or um, a message, a sermon, and then I pastors know this is what I do. And they, you know, will ask me or I sort of assume that that's why I'm there at the end of a service to pray for people. And so I will open up that section in prayer, I will look at the congregation, whoever's out there, and sometimes it's just by looking at a person, by experiencing a person, by watching them worship or not worship during a service hmm. or something God will give to me, or the night before, sometimes the Lord will show me something that you're going to pray for this person or this person or this person. The night before, you haven't even seen them yet. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't even know who, what they look like. But God has given me a word for someone. This is the person. He, he lets me know. He speaks to me. And people say that's crazy, but I, I can't help it. You're asking, how do I describe it? it yep. It's not the same every time. Sometimes I, I will go in, and I have. It, it's not often where I've gone in, and the Lord spoke to me, don't pray for anybody, or, you know, it's not what he wants to do. So there are times... But I know ahead of time what I'm going to say. A lot of times I have no clue until I start praying for them. And then I'll sometimes, like you said, sometimes uh, some people see words. And sometimes I could be praying for someone and I'm looking just like a ticker tape on a news broadcast. And I'm just reading it off, just what God shows me. Wow. And sometimes it's a picture. Sometimes it is just uh, I start speaking and the word just comes out. and it it's spontaneous. So you walk into a meeting. It's really a walk of faith for you, isn't it? Uh, it is. Uh, it all it all is. It's it's a walk of faith, no matter what. Whether you whether I don't speak or somebody doesn't have that gift and they go up and preach, it's a walk of faith that somebody's gonna listen to what they've got to say. Yeah. Well, you, you and you started to allude to this a little bit earlier, but let's, let's wind back a little bit, sure. you know, to, to the beginning. How did you first come to faith in Christ? And then, yes, when did the Lord first begin using you in this way? Was it, was it a suddenly kind of thing? Was it a, you know, a gradual awareness? Was it growing into learning how to operate in the gift? T talk to us a little bit about how did all, where's the genesis of all this? Okay. I, I think I can get this in a nutshell. It's probably worth, it's probably a book. <laughs> But um, I was uh, raised in an Irish, German, Catholic family in Cincinnati. And my we had a military family in the sense my grandfather fought in World War I. My dad was an officer, an Air Force officer in World War II. My oldest brother was a Marine in the Bay of Pigs. 
My yeah. other brother was in, in, in Vietnam. I joined the Air Force during the Vietnam era. Uh, the war was still going on. And while I was in my, my base uh, during that time, some Baptist guys came through the barracks with Bibles, and they handed me one. And I was always interested in the supernatural. I started reading Revelation. I started to see, you know, what could happen in the days to come. Well, I was transferred down to the States, uh, to the lower 48. I'm in my barracks room. And uh, on January 12, 1974, 12 or 10 o'clock at night, God, it was me and God by ourselves. And the Lord spoke to me so strongly. I just wept and wept and wept and wept. I got up at my knees and I was born again. Wow. Those Baptist guys said that if you ever get born again, go tell somebody and go to a church that preaches the Bible. And that's all I knew. So that was a Saturday night. On Sunday morning, I woke up. I went to a friend of mine's house who's living with a girlfriend. I knocked on the door at six in the morning and this gal comes in her nightgown to in the door and says, yeah. And I said, well, last night, Jesus came into my life and I accepted him and I became a Christian. She wipes the sleep out of her eyes, goes back in, shuts the door. I looked at the newspaper <laughs> and it had open Bible church. I could have went to First Mooney Bible Church, First Church, Witness Bible Church, but it was open Bible church. I went to that church. I walked into the door and I never left. Oh. And, I, and I devoured that first year. I devoured scripture. I devoured it. And the Lord started speaking to me. And I got out of the service. I went back home to Cincinnati and I attended an Assembly of God Church. And I went to a service in October of that year. And the president of Bi Moody Bible College was there and he was speaking on the Holy Spirit. He had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he had a whole bunch of people that all went up to be prayed for, uh, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I spoke in tongues for the first time and I was filled with the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. according to Acts uh, chapter two, chapter mm -hmm. three, chapter four, many yes. scriptures, the book of Joel. Yes. And I, I was a different person. Uh, God had miraculously came in and filled me with his spirit. And after that, I started having dreams. I started, uh, God was starting to speak to me. I didn't know the fullness of what this would mean. I ended up at Eugene Bible College. And what happened is in Bible College, I'd be in prayer meetings. And in prayer meetings, they'd ask you, as any student would, they ask you to pray. Well, I started praying for people, not for people, but I'd start to pray what they asked. And as I prayed, I'd have people come up to me and say, well, how'd you know I was praying about that? How'd you know that's what I was on my, it was on my heart? How'd you know that? And he just started to confirm time and time again, there was something that God was asking me to do. And it had to do with the Holy Spirit, had to do with giftings, talked about in Corinthians. And he's, without going into a long thing, uh, to answer your question, that is really in the beginning how it started off a little bit at a time. 
he would give me a word for someone. He was, it was a short word. It was something that maybe I didn't know. I was scared to death at times. Mm -hmm. I didn't know it was all new to me. What is this? Yeah. But it was learning a little bit at a time. And the Bible is very clear in the sense of, uh, you know, I started to read in Corinthians. I read in in, in Corinthians, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when it talks in verse 8, when he talks about the nine official gifts of the Holy Spirit, when he talks about the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, prophecy, the gifts of healing. He talks about faith. He talks about miracles. He talks about tongues, interpretations of tongues, the discernment of, discernment of spirits. Some people believe there are 32 gifts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I'll go that far, but I, <laughs> I will just say there's nine that he describes yes. that blesses the church. And so I started to really study what that meant. He started to get me into the word in a deeper way. So you... You were not looking for him, but he found you. You were not asking for particular gifts, no. but he gifted you. Uh, you had a divine encounter. Absolutely. So all these years now, the Lord's used you and you have, would it be fair to say you've grown and in, in, even though you may never totally understand what the Lord's doing, you have grown into more of an understanding about how he works through you. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've watched other. It was interesting because when I first got saved and I first got filled with the Holy Spirit, I was trying to learn my place. I had seen some people, and I had become friends with certain people that involved with gifts, but it was kind of thing that for me it was still new. He started to lead me to to, to the pathways when he talked about different journeys. I had a journey of, of God would open up the door with a friendship or a relationship and with somebody that was involved with these kinds of gifts. I remember uh, the first couple of years I was saved, I I went to a Catherine Kuhlman meeting mm-hmm. in Seattle. Yes. And this obviously was a few, two years, maybe before she died. And I'd never seen anything in such a scale uh, being in a meeting like that. Yeah. Whether people agree with her or not agree with her, I can only see what I saw. I saw people healed. I saw people uh, experience the powers of God, the power of God, excuse me. And I, God would lead me to different people. I became friends with a couple people that I would say that I that were prophets. And I started to realize they were really men of God, that they knew what they you know, they were examples of what to do, maybe, and not to do. Mm-hmm. I learned that way by be- meeting other people, like Samuel in the Old Testament. You know, he-, he came to the place where he started to hear God as a child. But there's a scripture in there that it says, and all of Israel knew he was a prophet. He didn't have yeah. to tell a person. That's right. And I found that to be true, that if you're really gifted, if you're if you really God's got his hand on you, woman, man, child, whoever, that you don't have to tell somebody, they'll know it. Okay, so then I have to ask you this, of course, because um people know, 
I know people who know you also, and we all affirm that God uses you. God has placed his hand upon you. He's anointed you with his gifting in the Holy Spirit. And and we've been around to see how the Lord uses you in a powerful way and sharing words from him. But, Bob, are you always accurate? I mean, do you ever miss the mark in what you feel stirred to share? It's a great question. I probably have had that asked before, but um, if I say, yes, I'm always accurate, it sounds prodigal. If I say no, then I lose my credibility with people. <laughs> what am I doing asking you this? Is, then? <laughs> I, have prayed, I have prayed and had the privilege of praying for thousands of people through the years. Mm-hmm. And I go away. I'm in a church for an hour, two hours, maybe. And I don't, a lot of things when it comes to the word of wisdom. And by the way, to get to where I'm going to talk about, God is, I've been involved with all nine of those gifts throughout my ministry. I've seen all nine work in the midst of praying for believing for, trusting for uh, people, churches. And what I have focused in on, because this is where God is, is the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge and prophecy. Mm-hmm. The other ones, I've seen it happen. I, I, I've seen people healed. I've seen gifts of faith and miracles and things, things like that. But it's not been where God has put me on an everyday basis where a word of knowledge is something that I can no way know except God tell me. Yeah, yeah. The word well, of wisdom. Go ahead. No, no, finish up what you're saying. No, I was going to say the word of wisdom is something It's not so much where I got the knowledge. I could read it in the newspaper. Yeah. Or somebody could tell me, or God could unveil. It's not so much where the knowledge, but what would God do with the knowledge you possess? The yeah. word of wisdom. Prophecy, both the foretelling and the foretelling of the word of God to a church, a congregation, an individual, a couple, a child, whoever. But prophecy is telling forth because you speak it to somebody or and foretelling because it you it could be the past, the present, and the future. God's lived in the past, he lives in the present, he's gonna and he lives in the future. God knows everything about everybody. Knows the only thing he will never reveal is what's under the blood of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. He has no reason to do it. It's not he's forgotten it. He can unveil anything about anybody's life. I remember I was in one service one time, and a young girl, uh, she, I'd been in a service more than once in this particular church, and the young girl, she was afraid to be in the service because she didn't want me to call her out. So she offered to be uh, uh, in the watch children in the in the nursery. That safe zone. The basement. <laughs> in the middle of the service, I'm praying for people. I said, "There's a girl in the nursery that she needs to come out so I can pray for her." It's the kind of thing that God knows where we are. Yeah. So yeah. I say all of that to say to come to this answer your question, Randall. Am I always accurate? I can only say there's a lot of people that these words of knowledge can be for generations, mm-hmm. can be for 
and there's a lot of people are still living yet. Yeah. I'd, I'd say in God, with God's grace and God's power, as far as I know, yes. Well, and, and I think I remember you saying something about that, that, that a word that you have to share with someone should complement what they've heard from God themselves. What, what do you mean by that? Most words, not all words, a word can buy and by the word, by the way, I see pictures and I see people when I'm praying because I believe everybody has a sort of a puzzle in their life. A word of knowledge, a word of wisdom given by someone might just put one piece of the puzzle of a large. It's only mm. a word of knowledge. It's not That's a good. That's good. It's only a, it's only a short, um, often short. Part of the mosaic, huh? By you're saying, I'm sorry? Part of the mosaic, huh? The, yes. The, yeah. And sometimes it's the last piece, and sometimes it's the first piece. Yeah, yeah. And so a word can, by the word complement, like you said, it often will confirm what God has said to them in their heart anyway. I can't, there are times that I will be out of place and I'll pray for someone. It will only put a first piece of the puzzle and they won't understand it. Some people die not seeing it. It's for the children. Sometimes uh, it's for their grandchildren. Uh, I, I was at a service. I, I don't, I, I didn't even know this happened, which is most of the case. I don't know what happens until afterward. And I, uh, I had prayed for a guy in California and I prayed that there were, I told him that there was somebody in there in his ancestry that prayed for him by name before he was even born and, and shared a few things about that. And I, I come to find out later, he had an operation. He died on the table during the surgery and he was taken and God gave him an out-of-body experience where he was taken to heaven and God showed him different things about heaven and told him that he had to go back. And he had met people there that he knew. And I, by the way, I don't start, I never start doctrines on dreams, on words. That's not what I do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. God, that, that this only complements what other people have seen through the scripture. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, but for this particular man, as he's in heaven, he met an older lady while he was there. And she and he said, I had somebody prophesy over me about having somebody that prayed for me before I was even born. And this lady says that was me. It was his great, great, great grandmother. Mm -hmm. So the kind of thing that there are things that people pray. <coughs> excuse me, that you may not know, but it just puts a piece to the puzzle. Sometimes they know it. It's a confirmation to what they really need to hear from the Lord and what God has already said to them. And sometimes it's starting something. So are there sometimes things that the Spirit reveals to you about people, Bob, and you are not given liberty by him to share it with them? Yes. Yes. How uh, uh, how's that, how's that work? What, what does the Lord say to you? I mean, why does he show you these things and then you can't tell someone? The prayer. There's everybody needs prayer, and mm. uh, there's sometimes 
not often, but there are sometimes God says things for people to me. Uh, it probably other people too, but I might be in a service and God will share something about somebody. It has to do with their children. Sometimes it has to do with their, uh, that God's going to take them. Uh, but God wants, God wants me to pray for their family, that God will take care of their family during a very difficult time. So sometimes the Lord shows you someone is going to die and you don't feel liberty to share that then. Absolutely. That's God's business. Wow. 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 So as, as people get to know you and how the Holy Spirit uses you, I'm just curious to know, do you ever, do you have people coming to you who ask for specific advice, like looking to you to be like a, a spirit filled Ann Landers, you know, like, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, should I get married to this person? You know, those kinds of things. Do you ever have people do that? And yeah. how do you respond? Um, well, you know, often I, you know, and I would, as a pastor would, and I'm not a pastor, but a pastor, they would understand more about the person so that they could give a correct understanding of the situation. Mm -hmm. I have to rely, <laughs> excuse me, on the Holy Spirit to give me some wisdom that I don't kill somebody's spirit. Mm -hmm. There's been a few people that they've asked, what do you think about this person? Or what? I can only give them, if I feel a check in my spirit, um, I'm, I have been very careful, not an expert, but careful about really killing somebody's spirit and letting the Holy Spirit do what he, what he wants to do. Because there are some times that, you know, you can kill somebody by what you say. You stay in your lane is what you're telling me then. <laughs> and uh, it's a, it's, I mean, I've had times when, when there've been people that have wanted to pray for me and I need prayer as much as anybody, but the Lord will speak to me that about the motive on why somebody wants to pray. And when there was one time, one lady came up and wanted to pray for me and I, and I felt really checked. It's not that I don't need prayer. I do. Uh, but the reason she was praying was because she wanted other people to see her praying for the evangelist. And the motive is wrong. Mm -hmm. And so I just sort of, I can either receive that prayer or in my heart, I could say, you know, Lord, help me. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of <clears throat> motives. Uh, I would feel like if we had this conversation and we didn't include this, uh, I would feel like we just failed to talk about what we needed to talk about. You're aware, our listeners are aware of excesses by people who, you know, they may move in the gifts or maybe sometimes purport to move in the gifts of the spirit. But somehow, you know, whether it's because of outsized egos they get mixed up. The flesh gets mixed up and confusing things. Uh, you know, we've seen uh, uh, showtime. We've seen angry tirades. We've seen commanding tones and directives, mm. condemning attitudes. And and sometimes what can seem like almost a, you know, a circus or an entertainment atmosphere. I mean, those of us have been around for any time. 
we, we've seen that kind of thing. And what yeah. grieves my heart is that that's caused a number of people to just completely turn off and and close the door to words that could be from the Lord. And, and uh, I could personally testify that those excesses do not describe you, Bob. And so that's why I like to ask you this question, because I know I've seen how the Lord ministers to you. You're, you're gentle. <clears throat> Even though you, you know you have something to say, you're gentle. You're respectful. You just said how you could kill the spirit of someone. You're, you're very sensitive to that and loving in how you go about that. So why do you believe that these excesses, could I just say some of the crazy things <clears throat> like that occur? Is it pride? Is it lack of understanding about ministry? What's your perspective and why those things happen? You know, um, without getting into too personal, because I have seen the excess. Uh, I've seen, the, you know, the Bible says in the last days there'll be false prophets. Yes. And um, we've seen a lot. I, if you go on the Internet and you, if you see the good, the bad, and the ugly on the Internet, but there are a lot of people that have, share these kinds of things on different people and different ministries that they feel that are wrong or uh, antichrist or that kind of thing. And you wonder why people do it. What I've learned <laughs> from my good friend, Roger Keller, who I worked with uh, in Northern California, we would sit at times and talk scripture and he came up and yeah, he said one time, he said, you know, people are going to do what people are going to do. <laughs> and it's so true. The, the older I get, the more I find out. Uh, there are people that are gifted and they can see, you, you know, people raised from the dead even. And, uh, but you wonder how they can do things on the side. Yeah. And they do things here right. in church. And and you're wondering, and I've learned that people are going to do what they're going to do, no matter what you say to them, whether you drag them out or whether you, you know, read scripture after scripture after scripture. And the fact is people, uh, they're gifted people. The Holy Spirit, he, he can be within somebody and start and, and work and have people saved. And the person can go out and do whatever they want to do. And you wonder, how can God put up with this? Yes. Well, because we're not God. And because God's got a bigger plan mm -hmm. than just them. And so he understands where people are. He understands why they do what they do. And only God will judge us. We all will stand before the Lord. For That's them. right. That's right. We're all going to be accountable before him. Exactly. However we conduct ourselves. So there's so, no it, clear picture to the, what you're saying. Yeah. And people are trying to figure out how can this happen? How can yeah. this person, we've heard all kinds of stories about great evangelists, you know, yes. uh, falling by the wayside or what are on their personal line and they yes. can do all these things in a service. Yeah. So ultimately we just have to entrust those people to God. God's the one. Exactly. We all answer before him. So let's flip to the other side from the excesses. To the person who, this could be some listeners today, the person who believes that, you know, the, the Spirit of God has, has begun giving them words of knowledge, a prophecy, mm -hmm. 
and yeah. they're not trying to be somebody that they're not supposed to be. They just just feel and are aware of this prompting of the spirit, you know, where the Lord, like you said, those early days for you that, you know, they began to see how, you know, they could minister to others or the spirit would use them. Are there any kind of, you know, ground rules or protocols that you could provide to get them headed in a good direction that glorifies the Lord so they don't go down that other path? I mean, you know, it isn't God that makes us act ugly or insensitive, clearly. And, it, and if I could just add this, you know, the, there's a protocol in the scriptures. I was reading, you know, 1 Corinthians 14. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who's sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you can pro all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. And then there's this powerful sentence the spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. So the Lord obviously is into protocol and, and guidance and how we ought to conduct ourselves as we minister through the power of the Holy Spirit. What, what advice or counsel would you give to someone that just feels like the Lord's starting to use them? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, there are people that obviously that I've had people come and said, you know, I had a dream. Is God spoke dealing with me with this? Is this something I should be thinking about? Or I felt like somebody that God said something ab about someone, or I feel like I need to say something to someone. And they try to work through the reality from what I, uh, I'm not an expert in anything but I have some experience mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the churches, there are some churches that you don't hear anything about baptism, baptism of the Holy spirit or gifts of the Holy spirit and ones that are in Pentecostal organizations. I, I talked to somebody, a friend of mine who goes to a, a large um, Pentecostal church. And he says, we never have, words, uh, prophecies. We never have anything like that anymore. And, uh, you know, we have a good church, but things have changed in our churches. Mm -hmm. There are still some Pentecostal churches that are, that are really starting to move in these kinds of giftings. And uh, people are trying to learn what to do if they've got these things. And you're the great question. And, uh, I think the biggest thing that I've seen when somebody has giftings like this, and I think there's going to be more churches that are coming back to the gifting of the Holy Spirit to be filled with the Spirit and be Spirit-filled churches. And I think for a, a person that feels or senses something's happening there, they, this to be as close to the leadership of the church as That's they good. can. That's good. Find themselves in prayer meetings or in uh, meetings where people are praying and keep uh, in submission to the leadership. Powerful word right there. Yes. And that they would not overwhelm their authority. I will mm -hmm. tell you, if that person really is from God and God is using them in a gifted ministry, it's going to be harder and harder and harder 
to stay at a church in that situation because not every church is open to those kinds of gifts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not that it's wrong, that it's just that they have to deal with it where they come from. And you, the one thing is that, that I've noticed that people should not overwhelm even their pastor uh, or anybody in authority or take the authority away from them because ultimately God's control and God doesn't want a church to be in chaos. That's right. Yeah. Or out of control. Yeah. And but it is difficult. Jesus could not stay in his own hometown. It's true. Because he was gifted. And he was the Son of God. Obviously, he had all the gifts all working. Uh, he I uh, and he was a master. He was God, of course, but was a master of dealing with those gifts within uh the nation of Israel yeah. and, and the surrounding areas. And if somebody's gifted, they need to stay not under somebody's thumb, but under somebody's authority in the Lord and be able to be open to talk with a pastor, an elder, someone that's there that they could trust and say, well, you know, the Lord is speaking to me something about this. This is something that you would feel comfortable with me sharing. If they say no, then listen. Mm -hmm. If you could stay in that church and hold on to your gift, then do what God's telling you to do. But it's really difficult for people with giftings to stay in their home church and, and be able to be as effective because they know the people naturally. Yes. It's hard yes. for pastors at times. Mm -hmm. because they know their people as well as anybody. And it's pretty hard for them to prophesy over somebody. Uh, and they do it a lot, but it's hard for them to deal over the pulpit what's happening in public, uh, what's really they know uh, in private. Good words of wisdom yeah. there. You know, Bob, I've got to ask you the difficult question before we come sure. to a close today. Go ahead. You have seen God heal people through your ministry. Now, a number of people listening to us today are not aware that your mobility has become very restricted right. because of multiple sclerosis. You, you've basically become homebound and are unable to get out to places like you did. You, went, you traveled everywhere right. and ministered everywhere. So how do you process that? Other people have been healed. Here you are, God has used you in a mighty and powerful way, and yet you are still walking uh, within the, you know, within the restrictions of MS. How do you process or explain that? Well, I can explain it this way as good as I, I can, because not everybody's going to understand it anyway. And I've had people ask me that. But I bring up to this point. Many, many years ago, uh, a district superintendent and myself were asked to go pray for somebody that had MS. And I, I didn't even know that I had. And we went and the pastor of this church asked if we could go in and pray for his wife who had MS and she was bed bound. Uh, wonderful lady. 
And we went in and prayed for her with the pastor. And she said, you know, she says, I've had, uh, I've had angels come to me in the night, minister to me. I've had people in our congregation, one person came in and said, if you didn't have sin in your life, if you just ask God forgiveness, you'll be healed. She said another person came in and said, if you had enough faith, you'll be healed. Those and are big she, blessings. And she said, Bob, she says, she says, what I've learned, it has taken me more faith to believe that God is by being in this bed than if I was healed and ran out the door. Mm. And I never, ever oh. forgot that. Mm. Because she was a woman of great faith, even yeah. though she couldn't get out of bed. She couldn't walk. What insight. And so, so it's one of those things that I've taken yeah. here with me. I mean, I don't know why I am where I am. I'm, it's not up to me. It's up to God. I believe in healing. I, I, I don't focus in healing. I remember being in a church in, in Central Oregon once, and I had come a, other times before, and, I, and an older lady came up to me and she says, no, the last time you were here, God healed me of cancer. Well, I don't remember this lady from anybody. I didn't even pray for anybody to be healed. Somebody was just in there, had faith to believe God, mm -hmm. and God healed her. I didn't have anything to do with it. <laughs> you just don't know what God is going to do. You certainly don't. God will be God, won't he? Yes, he will. So now we have technology that allows someone, you know, to remote into a meeting. Um, you know, have, have you done that? I know we talked a little bit about this. Have you done that since being homebound? So the real question is, you know, does the spirit still give you words for individuals, even though you're not in the same room with them? And, and is this something that you do or are open to do with churches? Yes. Remote, I mean, yeah, it's, it's sort of interesting. The last couple of years I've had, uh, I've had invitations to do zoom meetings, like Mm -hmm. Sort of what we're doing here, but yeah, uh, where I'm laying in bed or I'm sitting in my wheelchair, and I said, My wife helps me, she's wonderful, and it allows me to help me set up a Zoom meeting. And they set it up in the churches. One church I've gone to in southern Washington, they've got two services, and we set it up, even though we're three hours difference, but in our time, but we set it up where they tech in technology, they put me on their overhead while I'm sitting here in my wheelchair and I'm speaking into a computer and speaking. Uh, and they put me on the overhead and I'm right behind their pulpit as if I'm standing at the pulpit, yes. looking out at the congregation Yes. And I'm able to pray for them just as if I was sitting there, standing there and behind the pulpit. And, and, and the Lord gives you words sometimes for people oh, sitting yeah. there. Oh, yeah. Because I'm looking at I'm looking at it. I yeah. and, and I don't necessarily have to be. But I but God's given me the opportunity to look at them as if I'm in the congregation with them. Bob, this has been uh, this has been wonderful. It's always great to get together with you and just talk about these kinds of things, the things of the Lord. As you know, uh, this podcast we call Better Roads, we call it that for a reason. 
there are a lot of roads in life that we, some of them we don't choose, some of them we just find ourselves in these roads and just say, God, help me to get, you know, to the end of this road. Uh, there are some roads we can choose and say, that was a bad road. I, I wish I'd never taken it. But there are some roads that we look at and say, you know, God, I am so thankful. Um, I chose, maybe you led me, but I had to choose that road. And that has been so pivotal, so instrumental to who I am and and what I do today. Could you help us with a little bit of uh, what are the better roads in Bob Laughlin's life? I've had a lot, but when I started dealing with congregations and God started to pull me out where I was going to be ministering on a, on a level of pastors, their families, their congregations, probably when I was out of Bible college, I remember that they'd asked me, uh, a Women's Aglow meeting, asked me if I'd come speak to probably 600 women there. I mean, it was a large group. And then when I, I just shared the word and I, I, I took somebody's hand to pray for them and they fell down like, like a sack of potatoes just on the ground. And then this next one fell down, and the next one fell down. Well, right after that, I found myself, a pastor asked me to come to a church in central Washington. And the, and the Sunday night before I was supposed to be there on a Wednesday, 12 people got filled with the Holy Spirit spoken tongues. It never happened like that. I knew something was up. I went and preached a message, and they all started falling. I counted 28 at one time. I, I don't know. That's the last count. They had just fallen. And I and people were getting healed. People were being delivered. People, it was a revival that opened up in the church. But that that meeting has never left me. And that opened the door to going out to different congregations. The pastor and I at that time at that church, we came back every night. We were like a kid with a new toy. We didn't know. <laughs> We didn't know really what was going on, yeah. except we knew it was God. Yes. And that, yes. that really, I guess it really sort of spurred me on. Fork in the road for you. It was. It opened the door. I didn't know what was going to happen after that. Yes. It was pretty hard to really put into detail when people asked. Or, mm -hmm. you know, it, we saw things happen in that period of time. It's just a revival that took over the church. I know that there have been other churches that have experienced it, but for me personally, wow. I didn't expect it. I didn't deserve it. I didn't, I don't, I didn't ask for it. I didn't, all I know is that God asked me to go. I prayed for people and saw some great things. I rejoice with you over that great road that uh, God placed you on. And Bob, this time has just flown by for us here today. I, uh, thanks so much for sharing your journey with us. It's it's really been a joy. Well, God bless you, Randall. Really appreciate all that you've uh, meant to me through the years. As a good friend, we've crisscrossed we uh, different places, but I, I really appreciate your, your uh, faithfulness, your support in my life, and I just appreciate uh, being able to be here today. Thank you, my brother. And and for all of you listening in, we want to thank you for joining us as well. You know, it's been my joy to bring you many episodes of Better Roads. 
May you prayerfully seek God's best roads for you. You have been listening to Better Roads with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Join us next time as we explore how God is part of another person's journey.